Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. That's our one and only super producer, pest controller, all-around man-at-arms, not paid in rat tails, Mr. Max Williams. Give him a hand. Just don't give him a rat tail. Uh, they they call me Ben. I went with uh, snake bite last time. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a new moniker by the end of this, I suspect. And and Noel, in the time between now and uh, our previous episode, did you have to resort to your uh, serpentine street name? Not yet, man. Not yet. Not I'm yet. still I'm okay. still sitting on that one. I'm also reserving like shaving my beard for when that moment comes, God forbid, uh, because I will be unrecognizable. Oh, wow. I've been rocking this thing since I was about 14. So I will be yes. a completely new person. Uh, I, I, maybe I'll have to wear an eye patch or something to go along with my badass snake nickname. I got eye patches. I got an eye patch guy. Um, oh, oh, wait, we had that conversation okay. on air. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a true story, folks. Uh, Noel and I are good friends. We've known each other for a number of years. And of course, friend of the show, the guy who does the actual work here, Max Williams. Uh, you are a famous friend. You've you've known uh you've known uh Noel for a while too. And this is a true fact. This is what I'm gonna call a hashtag Noel fact. When we first met, when we we're first becoming friends all those years ago, I had asked this guy, I said, Oh man, you know, we're talking about beards, uh, and I'll grow mine out every so often until I miss soup and uh was talking with Noel and said, so, hey, man, like how long you've been growing the beard? And that's when I learned that my friend has uh, ever since he grew facial hair. He has always had a beard. I believe once you showed me one picture of you from years and years back where you did not have a beard. 
I think it was maybe a photo from a band you were in. Well, yeah. So that's funny. Even the photo from the band that I was in, um, I still was rocking sort of a little bit of a chin strap kind of situation. Uh, my uh-huh. kid found a CD that I made with the band that I was in in 1998. If you want to date me, I was about 15, I think. And I still had kind of a little Fred Durst, uh, little soul patch beard situation. Um, very, very funny looking. But yeah, from then on, I just kind of let it ride. Well, it looks good, man. It looks hey, good. Thanks, buddy. And not everyone can pull it off. So we are returning to another example of people not being able to pull something off. There we go. That's our segue. Uh, We talked previously about something called the Cobra Effect. We've seen this phenomenon occur in India. We saw it occur in Hanoi, uh, or in Vietnam, rather. Uh, And both times it happened during eras of colonial rule. Today we're seeing the Cobra Effect take place in a nearby part of the world, but under much different circumstances. Long story short, the Cobra effect basically describes unintended consequences of decisions in complex systems. It's a game of public health, and it's a very tough game. You know, you have to ask yourself, how do you get a bunch of people, aka the public, to change their behavior for the common good without, um, without going too far in one direction? and still managing to get everybody to follow along with you and not think you're an iron-fisted dictator or authoritarian. It's tough because, you know, we see it even now with um, the idea of people wearing masks during the height of the COVID pandemic, right? Or the idea of getting people to stay home and not go to big celebrations close together, you know, uh, having spit contests or whatever. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Yeah, you also have to pay for it. You have to, like, that's one of the big things. We saw this in Delhi. We saw this in Hanoi. It was the idea that you could incentivize people to help eradicate pests. You could crowdsource pest eradication by paying folks. But in today's episode, we're looking at a slightly differing governing structure. In the 1940s, just a few decades after what went down with rats in Vietnam, the People's Republic of China found themselves in a tough spot. That's right. I mean, I think uh, it's no secret that the leadership of the People's Republic of China uh, has typically operated with that iron fist that you speak of. You know, one way of getting things done is just by not taking no for an answer, not really caring about people's feelings or the feelings of the public or having to, you know, negotiate with a, a competing political party uh, and not to sound like a dictatorship apologist. It certainly does simplify things to a degree, um, you know, and there are benevolent, more benevolent dictatorship type models, I suppose. But again, that all depends on the whims of a single human. And as we know, uh, those whims can be flighty. I mean, the the nature of the word whim in and of itself implies sort of like, how am I feeling today? (laughs) Am I feeling benevolent or am I (laughs) feeling a little grouchy? Am I just going to kind of bend people to my will? Exactly. Well said. And if you can use this power of centralized authority to just make things happen the way you would like them to happen, you honestly open the door to even more unintended consequences because regardless of the kind of government you control, nature follows its own rules. To paraphrase 
the famous Jeff Goldblum disease and uh, vermin uh, find a way. So this is what happened. Today's story is about how the People's Republic of China did successfully accomplish an enormously difficult public health objective, eradicating some diseases and eradicating vermin. But in doing so, they created an honest-to-God environmental catastrophe. Let's look at it. So communist forces gain power in the fall of 1949. And when they do, China is already in a bad way. It is inundated with very dangerous, infectious diseases. We're talking all the hits, tuberculosis, plague, cholera, malaria, polio, smallpox, hookworm. I almost wanted Max to drop a beat there. Point is, they were endemic throughout a lot of the country. Roughly 10 and a half million people had a liver parasite named schistosomiasis. Cholera epidemics happened like regularly, and it wasn't uncommon for thousands and thousands of people to die every year. Infant mortality was skyrocketing. It was a dangerous place to live. Yeah, there's a great article that goes into this in depth uh, on NPR by Vicki Valentine, which is a great name, from November of 2005. So here's the gist. The communist government uh, did begin to initiate these widespread uh, mandatory vaccination campaigns um, against those uh, the conditions that you were referring to, the plague, smallpox. They vaccinated nearly 300 million people. They put into place um, sanitation measures to uh, allow for clean drinking water and the disposal of waste. Um, and they actually copied the Soviet Union's model of healthcare. Uh, there were all of these little kind of offshoots of uh, medical and public health officials that um, were meant to focus more on um, being stewards of, of healthcare uh, to the population. They would actually go out into rural areas and treat diseases whenever possible. Yeah, and we're talking about limited resources. We're talking about issues of logistics. We're talking about people doing their best under series of, at times, fluid constraints. Medical care, sanitation, immunization, all of that can make a big difference, but it can only do so much if you don't cut off the sources of an infection or the, you know, the vectors of a disease at the root. And that meant you have to get rid of the pest that transmit those diseases. Think of malaria and mosquitoes. Think of the fleas on rodents that spread the plague. Think about flies. Uh, what about sparrows? that eat the fruit from fields of grain and rice. Those sparrows aren't necessarily spreading disease. But they are literally taking the food upon which human beings depend. These are our four pests. That's what they were called. Hear that capital F, hear that capital P. Four pests, flies, mosquitoes, rats, and weirdly enough, sparrows. Oh my. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Ben, my favorite spring cleaning takeaway is that post-clean clarity that you get where you're like, wow, how have I been living like this? Yeah, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless and Mint Mobile has phone plans for just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. 
Y'all, it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. And use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah. Um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool, I, yeah. I, I just remember, it was my dad's. I, I was a hand-me-down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something, you know? I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man, and funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But the thing about sparrows is they don't only eat that stuff that's meant for human consumption. They also eat some of those insects that spread those other diseases, right? Mm-hmm. Which is going to be a big deal in a second. So this is all kind of wrapped up in what's known as the Great Leap Forward. Um, ben, can you give us a little bit of background on that? I know this is very much an area of interest for you personally. Yeah, the 
What became called the Four Pest Campaign was part of the Great Leap Forward, which is also known as the Second Five-Year Plan. This was a massive economic and social campaign led by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and particularly Chairman Mao Zedong. And the idea was we are going to take China's largely agrarian economy and we are going to transform it into a communist society. Uh, It is important, if you're not familiar with anything other than the name Great Leap Forward, it is mission critical. It is crucial for you to realize that the name might be seen as misleading. Millions of people died in China during the Great Leap Forward. It's still a matter of debate today amongst historians. Estimates range from as little as 15 million people dying to as many as 55 million people dying. This is terrible stuff, but it's also a study in the tremendous balancing act and tremendous danger of affecting large-scale change on a massive level as quickly as they attempted. So, yeah, the Great Leap Forward, uh, this part of it, the Four Pest campaign, was a health campaign. And so we're targeting vermin that spread disease. If you kill small, bothersome animals and insects, you are being a good communist. You are doing your part for the nation. So they were kind of paying people in like ideological points, if that makes sense, instead of rat tails or cobra skins. And uh, which, you know, one would argue is just as effective and maybe does not have the same potential for abuse uh, if if the instructions being given to the good people of communist China were, in fact, the right ones, right? Because there's no way to really game the system for personal benefit because in the communist system, there really is no personal benefit. It's all for the good of the, the greater good, right? Yeah, yeah. And there were, there were still, you know, again, we talked about the death toll. There were a lot of a lot of problems with allocation of resources and logistics during the Great Leap Forward. Like, let's talk about 1958. All right, in 1958, you're walking around China. You're going to be now living in a commune of some sort. If you formerly were just in a village on a farm, you are also going to see a ton of propaganda that the government has issued to try to crowdsource tackling these four pests. Uh, The weather was really nice in 1958. The harvest was good. But unfortunately, the centralized government had sent a bunch of former farmers off to work in steel production, and the harvest was rotting because it wasn't getting collected. That's the thing about a harvest. You got to get the stuff out of the ground, out of the field and somehow process it and get it to people so that they can eat it. That just wasn't happening. But if you're, let's say it's early 1958, you don't know that this is about to go down. You're seeing a lot of posters. And the posters are like, I love propaganda from this time period. Uh, The posters show kids hanging with their elders and all these art pieces, works of art that are telling 
the people of China to just carry around fly swatters. Use guns. Use gongs. Let's get these gongs to to startle them into submission. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks really good. Gongs are fun to draw on propaganda posters. Uh, And you can see them now online if you go to Chinese posters, all one word, dot net. You'll see one picture, I believe it's from 1956, called Everybody Comes to Beat Sparrows. And it looks like there's some siblings. There's like an older brother and a younger sister. And the brother has a slingshot. And the sister Mm -hmm. is just like holding dead sparrows. Uh, And then there's another one, 1958, which is a knife, a cool-looking knife, daggerish, based on the, the animals for scale. And on it are the four pests, a mosquito, a fly, a sparrow, and a rat. And let me just tell you, Noel, Max, I don't know if it's just artistic license, but that fly is huge. Oh, yeah. Is it, is it like, I mean, the Chinese Zodiac, doesn't it have like the year of the rat? Like, wasn't the rat almost kind of like revered in certain ways in Chinese culture? Yeah, there is the year of the rat. The rat is one of the astrological signs uh, in Chinese astrology or the Chinese Zodiac. I believe 2020 was the last year of the rat. It happens every 12 years. Uh, in in the Chinese zodiac, the rat is considered pretty quick-witted, wise entity. And so the idea is mm-hmm. that if you if your sign in Chinese zodiac is rat, it depends both on the year you're born and the time of year you're born, then you are quick-witted, resourceful, and you're smart, but you're kind of cowardly. Well, there's also different flavors of rat, like there are for, right. you know, metal, others like wood, the metal, yeah. the metal rat, the fire rat, things like that. So we've established that this series of episodes is about unintended consequences. The first episode focused largely on, you know, individual people, citizens gaming these sort of government incentive programs. Um, and you, you made a really good point earlier in the episode today, Ben, where you sort of aligned this or compared this with maybe some of the programs that are happen- that were happening through COVID relief and things like that, where while they're intended to help people who really need it, we also saw people using some of that money to buy like expensive Pokemon cards where there's a government relief program. There's a way people are going to figure out how to take advantage of it. Today's episode is about much more of an iron fisted, you know, unilateral approach where the only incentive uh, for participating is to look good in the eyes of the all powerful government. So this program that you've been describing, Ben, through, through these propaganda means, uh, these posters and whatnot, and just kind of the rhetoric that was going around, uh, was wildly successful. We have some stats here. Uh, I think it was something in the neighborhood of a billion sparrows were taken out, 1.5 billion rats. I love this one. A hundred million kilograms of flies and 11 million kilograms of mosquitoes were absolutely destroyed. So on that level, this was a a screaming success. You know, it really worked. People were doing what they were supposed to be doing. The fly swatters were out. People were, you know, just outright murdering uh, sparrows by hook or by crook or by gong or, or by slingshot. But here's the thing. The government significantly miscalculated, which is understandable. I mean, science 
Uh, it was the 50s. I mean, science, I think the, the understanding of the balance of ecosystems should have been pretty fully formed at this point, right? This kind of research, there are these webs of interconnectedness with different species and how, you know, this balance exists. I think it should have been available, <laughs> Should have been on the table. But for whatever reason, whether through pure blind patriotism or some megalomaniacal sense of purpose that, that often comes along with these kinds of dictatorships, uh, this, this connection was ignored. And the connection I'm referring to is the role of the sparrow in maintaining a balance. Because as we mentioned, yeah, sparrows are a pest and that they'll pick through your fields and eat your your fruits and your seeds and all that, and they can cause a problem. But there's a, there's another species of critter that could cause even more of a problem, like a biblical level problem. Uh, the humble on its own locust. But as we know, locusts don't just hang on their own. Locusts roll deep, like really deep millions and millions of them that can just swarm these fields and just, we've, we've seen it. Uh, pit, I mean, not, I haven't seen it personally, but I think we've seen it depicted in film. And I think there's probably footage out there of literally these just waves of locusts coming in and just, you know, leaving a skeletal remain of what once was there in terms of these crops or, or, or harvests. Um, and it turns out Circle that uh, sparrows also eat locusts. They would if they were alive. Yes. Yeah. It's the circle of life, indeed. And that's what happens uh, when you break the circle. The sparrows were doing something. And without sparrows fulfilling that predator role, the locust just went ham. They went hard in the paint. In addition to, as you said, uh, a disaster on the level of a biblical plague, the great leap forward involved some new ideas about agriculture and the agricultural techniques they implemented just made things worse. There's a great quote, uh, you can read it in discovermagazine.com that says, the mass deaths of sparrows and nationwide loss of crops resulted in untold millions starving. And they put the number at 20 to 30 million people dying from 1958 to 1962. and it, it was a demographic crisis. The amount of people dying changed the nation for generations to come. And the and it, part of it is because the four pest program was on its own enormously successful. It did work. People did posse up and kill vermin together. So they also were stop some diseases, right, that were spread by mosquitoes and rats and so on. It made it one of the most successful public health campaigns in history, at least if you just bracket it off by itself. But nothing exists in a vacuum, right? I say this all the time. This was a massive cost for the Chinese government, for the Chinese people, ecologically, demographically, the human species, in this case, sort of failed to acknowledge the system that had already existed, the system that had predated humanity, which is that you need to have predators and prey interacting. Because if you remove one from the equation, if you remove one constraint, then you know something else is going to grow to fill that space. And in this case, uh, it was a horrendous plague of locusts and millions of people did starve. Uh, that is a downer, but it is true, right? 
So let's put it, uh, let's put a fine point on it. Let's put a button and a bow on it. Millions of people in part died because of one of the most successful public health campaigns in history. It's weird when you put it that way, but it's true because the four pest campaign did do what it set out to do. And that is a classic example of Cobra effect. And, you know, again, to the point about things not existing in a vacuum, people are smart. People were aware that something went wrong, right? So, no, from my understanding, they're, they, they made some efforts to mitigate this, right? What did they do? Yes. I'll get to that in two seconds. I also just wanted to point out, I sort of half made a joke earlier about... Uh, you know, we had gongs in the list of, of of ways of combating the sparrows. And I said, well, we're just going to startle them to death. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Not only would they use gongs and drums, they'd use pots and pans and, and just make tons of noise. And it would apparently uh, scare or startle the sparrows to the point where they would fall from the sky out of exhaustion. And in addition to, you know, targeting them with weapons, uh, their nests were torn apart, their eggs were broken, any like baby fledgling sparrows that were found were murdered unequivocally. So this would have been a pretty, pretty gnarly uh, time, you know, to be, a, to be a kid. They're just, you're literally just stomping on baby sparrows all the time. I just, I can't imagine this wouldn't have had some sort of traumatic impact you know, it reminds me of uh, there's a story in the movie Mandy, which I know that, that, that you and I both love quite a bit, where the character of Mandy is telling a traumatic story about how her father forced her to tried to force her to murder a bag of baby starlings because starlings similarly, you know, mess with crops. I think they were farmers as well. And uh, it was the way she describes the story. It was she had to, she ran away in terror uh, because yeah, that's a pretty gnarly thing to ask little kids to do. Um, so I can't so I can't imagine there wouldn't have been psychological uh, impacts of this kind of stuff on you know <laughs> these kids that would grow into maybe uh, rather ruthless adults. Huh. Yeah. Also, oh, we should point out Mao Zedong, who was the you know the chairman uh, of the government, who was also leading the ideation of this campaign he knew he didn't know anything about animals he was not an ecologist he didn't want to talk about the plan he didn't have any experts come in and talk with him he just kind of decided there were four pests they would call it the four pest plan and that's and they would kill those four pests yeah yeah and i like that you mentioned the mandy aspect there because kind of like forcing kids or peer pressuring kids to kill wild animals it's a very strange psychological position to put any kid in. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and of course, as you mentioned, the result of all of this uh, sparrow murder was, in fact, the great Chinese famine. The following is a high five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac, yeah. Bonneville. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. But, you know, once that once this realization kind of came into focus for Mao, uh, he decided that not throw the whole program out, you know, with the with the bathwater. Um, he instead decided to uh, replace the sparrow in that four pest campaign with the humble bed bug. And while, you know, this definitely made people a little less itchy the genie was already out of the bottle in terms of the, uh, the famine aspect of it. So this would not have actually had any impact whatsoever on, you know, bringing the crops back. So the great leap forward ended or the whole campaign ended in 1962. Uh, and with it uh, also ended the four pest campaign. 
But in 1998, the government actually sort of uh, resurrected this program with a new round of propaganda posters that you could see in Beijing um, and uh, as well at the Southwest Agricultural University in Chongqing that once again, once again, I am asking you to please murder these four pests. And at this point, it became rats, flies, mosquitoes, and cockroaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, leave the higher order animals alone, they said. But, you know, this one kind of, this was less of a spectacle because people were already killing rats, flies, mosquitoes, and cockroaches. It wasn't particularly new or uh, it wasn't a weird question, but I love that you bring up modern opportunities, man, for the cobra effect. Uh, Mexico City had a cobra effect that didn't involve animals at all. If you've ever been to Mexico City, you know they've had an air pollution problem for a long time. In 1989, Mexico City said, all right, we're going to make this car rationing policy or set of laws, basically, uh, that's based on the numbers on your license plate. The way it worked is that it was rationing the amount of days in a week you could drive based on your license plate. But they didn't limit the number of cars you could buy. I think oh, I covered boy. this in car stuff years back. So what people did is they said, okay, I've got a car, you know, just off the top of my head, you can't drive on Wednesdays or whatever. So I'll just try to find a cheap car with a different license plate. And that'll be like my Wednesday car. And then the people who could do it started buying these cars Then uh, there was a flood of cheap cars coming into Mexico City that made it easier for people to buy a cheap, you know, Wednesday car or whatever that just made the problem worse. They ended up with more cars in the city than they had when they started the plan. Oh, and that's also a city that suffers from traffic congestion, you know, problems as any major city often does, but I believe it's particularly bad there. So this is like contributing to a whole nother set of problems uh, in addition to the pollution. Unintended consequences. Let's move to Bogota, Colombia um, in 1998. This involves a, uh, a ban uh, similar to the Mexico City issue, also based on license plate numbers. Uh, and in fact, they they looked to the Mexico City initiative um, as, as the influence for, for starting this program. Um, but they tried to improve upon it by switching the combinations of days and license plate numbers every year. Uh, but of course, again, uh, where there's a will, there's a loophole. Uh, and the Colombian people figured out ways to kind of get around the law by driving during off-peak hours, which again contributes to additional pollution because now you've got more people driving at what would have been kind of the sort of like reprieve time and contributing to overall worse congestion and worse pollution that's happening more consistently. Then in 2005, we have another example um, involving the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Uh, We know about these, Ben, and the unintended consequences, or at the very least, the perceived unfairness of things like carbon credits, right? Yeah, carbon credits, the neoliberal solution to fighting pollution. Accidental rhyme, hashtag. Uh, Yeah, the idea is that you can incentivize companies by 
paying them to uh, have a participate in this carbon credit program without getting in the weeds in that. You can learn more about this in our other shows, stuff they don't want you to know. What happened is companies actually accelerated. They ramped up the production of a gas called HFC-23, huge pollutant uh, byproduct of coolant production. It helped them cash in on the credits. Uh, the coolant's bad for the environment. There's another, <laughs> there's another example from our, our fair state of Georgia in which ridiculous history is based. It's called the Pig Eradication Program. It started in 2007. Uh, some people might have thought it was crazy, you know, with the idea of somebody rationalizing owning high-powered firearms by saying, how how am I going to take out 40 feral hogs or something ah, like that? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was hoping yeah, you were going to rock that one. <laughs> yeah, they really Shout are out to Jason things. Isbell, uh, who is uh, uh, not only a very talented musician, he is a masterful uh, twitcherer. Yes, yes. And uh, Georgia made this pig eradic- eradication program in Fort Benning, specifically locals, are alleged to buy pigtails in bulk from butchers to collect the bounty. And as they do this, the wild pig population continues to grow, at least uh, during the years of the pig eradication program. Uh, And, oh, side note, we've got an excellent opportunity while we're talking about Fort Benning for a little moment we like to call Max with the Facts. Time here. Uh, yes. Yeah, so Fort Benning is uh, probably going to be no more soon because it is named after a Confederate general, like a lot of things in Georgia, unfortunately. But there has been an active campaign to remove that name. So I consider that a good thing. This wasn't the guy that was also like a high up Klansman, was it? Or so was that it was that was Gordon, who also has a fort in Georgia. Yeah. In my hometown of Augusta. Uh-huh. Benning was a uh, big fan of seceding from the Union and, um, you know, like people can figure out probably what his stances were. But thankfully, there's a (laughs) lot of great people such as Alwyn Cash, who was awarded the Medal of Honor. He would be a great person to put the name on the fort. Or we do Henry Flipper, who was born in Thomasville, Georgia, as a slave, but went on to be the first African-American to graduate from West Point Military Academy. So those are some good names we could put on the fort. And if you want to find out more about, you know, the story and other potential names that are being floated around, the AJC has a great write-up just titled Fort Benning and Fort Gordon to be renamed. And that is written by Jeremy Redman. So give that a look. It's a, you know, pretty important story going around. Yeah, to my knowledge, Fort Gordon has not yet been renamed. Um, no, they're looking at 2024, they say. Why does it they take so long? Just slap a new name on it, man. What's the I big deal? Have one be Fort Knoll, and then one be Fort Ben. Yeah, and then the <laughs> SS Max Williams destroyer ship exactly. uh, off the coast. Uh-huh. And Love it. Max with yeah. the facts, indeed. Yes, and, and and Max, when when I hear this on air, I'm I'm hoping it comes with a sound cue. With the Max, with the facts, we can make it a whole thing. Just I'm trying to read your your facial expression. 
<laughs> I'm getting a very, very, yeah, I gave yes. a very weird nod. Let's move on. Yeah, uh, let's. It's not I love just Max's yeah. weird nods. They're my yeah. favorite. They're the, they're the weirdest of nods. But yeah, moving past racist, you know, military bases. Hey, accidental rhyme. Hashtag <laughs> racist military bases. Uh, we are now in Australia in the year 2019 when Senator Pauline Hansen um, proposes a program called Cash for Cane Toads. I, I love the commercial, you know. Hello, good day. Do you have a bunch of cane toads? Would you like some cash? Trade your cane toads for cash. 1-800-TOADS-FOR-CASH. I don't know how the numbers yep. will work out. And and these are not the kind of toads you want to lick unless you want to, you know, die. Um, right. It's a different kind of trip. It's a trip to the afterlife. And that's because these cane toads are incredibly toxic and they're incredibly invasive. Yeah, check out, uh, you can get a look at the cane toad. There's a great article written on this in the conversation by David Smerden, who is a professor or assistant professor at the School of Economics in the University of Queensland. The Economics of Cash for Cane Toads, a textbook example of perverse incentives. The idea would you would give welfare recipients 10 cents for every living toad that they collected. They weren't killing the toads. They collected them while they were alive. They gave them to the local council or government, and those folks would kill the toads in large freezers. They would freeze them to death. And while this while this cane toad situation hasn't reached the level of cobras in India or rats in Vietnam, there's a great line that Professor Smerden ends his article with where he says, this proposal was no doubt made with the best of intentions. Unfortunately, in reality, the only real beneficiaries would be economics teachers, which for right. an economics professor is like a mic drop moment. Uh, there's another example of Cobra effect that I think will be familiar to all of our fellow ridiculous historians who are denizens of the internet. It is called the Streisand effect, where your request to suppress or remove something from the public eye only brings more attention to it. It's named that because Barbara Streisand, the uh, musician in 2003, she attempted to take down some public aerial photos of her mansion in Malibu. Barbara Streisand has had quite a successful career. You can imagine the mansion is pretty swank. The issue was that the, the folks who took the photo were TMZ or, you know, a journalistic or pop culture outfit. There was something called the California Coastal Records Project. They document the coastline for study, for science. And before she, before the news about her contacting them came out, nobody cared. The only way you would look at their archives is if you were somehow involved in the study of beachfront erosion in California. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it's true of anything. You know, when you make a stink about it publicly like that, it piques people's interest every time. Yeah, exactly. So we want to point that out because it brings up something crucial to remember. Even if we are tempted to look back with the benefit of retrospect and say, oh, wow, I can't believe these people didn't think of all these uh, terrible consequences. You have to remember that the Cobra effect is still very much in play. And it's not just India, it's not just the British Raj, it's not just Cobras. You have to think through the consequences of your actions. We say this as fans of improv. A little planning does matter. Just 
plan a little. Think about what could or could not go wrong. But I'll tell you what went great this week, Noel, in my opinion, was our two-part episode on the Cobra effect. And we didn't even mention Cobra Insurance. Thank goodness. No. Oh, yeah. That's like an acronym, though, isn't it? I always wonder what that stands for. I forget. Uh, but yeah, this was a mainly intentional two-parter. Uh, a, a pretty beefy two-parter, if I might add. So uh, you're welcome. Uh, I know there was some gross stuff in here, but I think there was also some illuminating and, of course, ridiculous stuff in here as well. So huge thanks to you, Ridiculous Historians, for tuning in. Uh, huge thanks to super producer Max Williams, Alex Williams, who composed this banging bop that you you're hearing in your very ears right now. Mm-hmm. And thanks to our show's own Barbara Streisand, Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. Uh, <laughs> there we go. That one landed for Max. Uh, thanks, of course, to Eve's Jeff Goat, to Christopher Hasiotis. Thanks to our friends over at Ridiculous Romance, Eli and Diana Banks. Thanks to our good pals over at Ridiculous Crime, Zaren Burnett and Elizabeth Dutton, And there's one more thing that we have to announce. Right, Noel? Yes, our good pals, Mark Kendall and Bill Worley, uh, have just dropped the trailer for their new Ridiculous show, Ridiculous News, giving you a weekly dose of um, topical, newsy-type items, as well as a more evergreen, deep dive into concepts uh, that are going to help you wrap your head around the ridiculousness that is the news, uh, which is, of course, you know, modern history. (laughs) So it's very much uh, in the wheelhouse what we do here, what they do on Ridiculous Romance and on Ridiculous Crime. And we're happy to welcome them to the family. So check out the trailer for Ridiculous News available now on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes, yes. Over the moon. We are so excited. We know you'll love these shows. Don't take our word for it. Check them out today. Thanks to the entire uh, Ridiculous Universe. You know what? Special shout out to Max. For, uh, for herding so many cats on this thing. Man, I can't wait. You know, what's next? Noel, what, wh- let's get some new t-shirt ideas. Let's do some uh, Let's do some live appearances. What do, what do you think about a, uh, what did Zarin call it? Ridiculapalooza? Ridiculapalooza? Ridiculapalooza. There you go. There, thank you. Yes. We'll see you there, folks. And, you know, next time. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phones. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. 
happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop.